Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast for Friday, April 3rd. I kind of forget what day it is now, but uh, I am Caroline Gonzalez, joined on today's show by my co-hosts, John DeShazer and Saints legend, Deuce McAllister. First of all, Deuce, how you doing during uh, COVID-19? That's into the new normal, I think is the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, every day is a little bit different, almost in a sense that you don't know what day it is. It, it all kind of runs together because... Uh, in a groundhog day since it's the same thing over and over whether it's the weekend and or weekday uh, for the kids you know they're just like look we want to do our work or we want to learn a little bit and then we want to we want to break you know can I go outside can I go play Um, can my friends come over some of that yes most of that no and just go with it yeah, I have the same feeling as your kids. Whenever JD asks me to do something, the answer is usually no, but I do want to go outside and play. So, uh, guys, we've had to, you know, adjust to the new normal, but uh, a question that I had since it's lunchtime, I feel like I've struggled to find new things to eat. I feel like I'm just eating the same thing every single day. Are you guys cooking at home? Have you found any new new restaurants that you like? I know JD can't really cook, so uh, that's out of the question for him. But what have y'all been doing? <laughs> Maybe I'll let you defend yourself first. Well, you know, I'm trying to, I'm doing the best I can to be nice, Deuce. I really am. But you know what? Some people make it real hard on you. But I have been cooking around the house. My wife will tell you that. And uh, she is nourished and I'm nourished. And that's all we can hope for. (laughs) It might not be gourmet cuisine, but you know what? It ain't spam either. JD, you don't have to hold the phone up to your face. We're doing a Zoom call. He's FaceTiming like you're a, a 60-year-old dad. You don't have to hold it up to your face. Well, she's just holding it up because now when I lay it down, it's in, for some reason it's in a bad reception spot when I lay it down. Okay, we'll just have up close and personal, JD. Sorry, Deuce, go ahead. Oh, no, for me, it's really probably getting on the grill a little bit more. Uh, the kids have wanted different things, different items, Caroline. I'm kind of like you look, we had that yesterday or, you know, you had that two days ago. Let's try something different. So uh, just trying that now. And, you know, even for me now, even though they're on kind of lunch break from school, I had to come outside. I mean, because they're so loud and they're just, it's wild time in there. And so um, it's pretty cool just to be able to go outside a little bit, just to be able to get some fresh air. But at the same time, you know, just trying to figure out, all right, what can we do for breakfast? What can we do for lunch? Um, you know, I know a lot of the restaurants we've been able to order a lot of times dinner from them, but uh, hadn't been hadn't been too terrible, too bad. But you know, uh, you wanted to see if we can have some progress with maybe uh, flattening that curve and 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 maybe this thing slowing down a little as well. Deuce, yeah, clearly you don't. Deuce, clearly you don't know Caroline's cuisine habits. I mean, you could give her some dirt and tell her it was hummus, and she would try it out. <laughs> You know, you, you got to know who you're dealing with. JD, don't come for me like that. <laughs> that is so rude. You know, for Lent, I did give up the cafeteria cookies. So that's looking real good for me right now because I haven't had to deal with pass. it. <laughs> I think you will pass on that. I think you will pass with flying colors. I think so, too. Uh, guys, it was announced yesterday that ESPN is going to re-air the iconic Monday night football game between the Saints and the Falcons, the rebirth game, uh, the opening of the Superdome. Deuce, you played in that game. I was fairly younger, so I uh, cannot remember watching that game. Of course, working for the Saints, we've done a lot of content over the years having to do with that game, videos, articles, things like that, but I've never watched 
the full game. Um, so I'm looking forward to, my family's looking forward to sitting on the couch wearing our black and gold and watching that game on Monday night. You've talked about that game countless times, um, but what is it going to be f- like for you watching that game at home? It'll be different. I think the biggest thing is, you know, trying to figure out what, what, what play is next, what play this is. Did you have a successful play? Uh, why couldn't you get going uh, as far as running the ball? You know, for me, it'll be more of on a personal sense. Man, I, I could have cut a little bit quicker here or I could have, you know, I missed the hole here. Different things of that nature. Uh, from knowing the emotional standpoint of it, you know, you'll definitely, you'll, you'll lock in on that and kind of relive it and, you know, kind of talk, talk, talk about it, even with my family, kind of some of the things that you were going through so they can get a sense of understanding everything that surrounded it as well. Is this your first time, other than watching film during that season and watching highlights and stuff like that, is this your first time watching the whole broadcast as well? From a broadcast standpoint, it will be my first time watching it from a broadcast standpoint. From a film standpoint, it's, it's going through, clicking two or three times, watching that play, and then you're going on because you have the next week's game coming up. JD, I know you and I were talking before we started recording about some of the projects you're going to be working on with this rebroadcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're going to try to um, re repost the column I wrote the next day from that game, and I might be writing a fresh one just leading into this one, just about the thoughts on it. But I mean, the thing is about that game. One, I've never rewatched a broadcast of it. I have not seen a complete rebroadcast of it at, at all. And two, I don't, I don't really remember a whole lot about the actual game. I remember the Saints won. I remember the block punt. But the actual game, the, the specifics of what happened on the field, I couldn't tell you much of what happened because it was, it was that kind of a night. I remember vivid uh, more so the emotions, obviously. And, and I remember just, just being in the press box because you're around a lot of people in the press box, you know, journalists and writers are some of the most jaded and hardened people you will ever see. And um, we know you from see, experience, you know, see people, you know, sniffing and, and, you know, crying and tears and that kind of thing. I remember that more than anything about the game. And I remember uh, Mike Carney, Saints fullback. I remember Mike Carney being on the, on the, on the sideline uh, pregame uh, anthem. He was crying. And I remember that just kind of, you know, that kind of epitomized the whole rest of the rest of the game for me. So I don't remember, again, I don't remember a lot of game details, but I remember those kind of things. Well, we know uh, NewOrleansSaints.com is going to be doing a lot to try to promote that game, Black and Gold Monday, encouraging fans to wear that stuff. Uh, Steve Gleason's going to be tweeting a little bit about the game. The Saints are coming documentary at 6 p.m., but WWL Radio, who you are a part of, Deuce, is also going to be doing a pregame show uh, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Um, with Christian Garrick and Bobby Bear. Deuce, you work closely, obviously, with Bobby Bear. Have you talked to him at all since – uh, the announcement of the passing of his father? Uh, we spoke briefly via text. You know, I, I spoke to he and um, T-Bob, his son, just sending uh, my condolences. And, you know, I haven't spoken directly to him yet, but, you know, just thinking about it, man, uh, it, it, it's, it definitely hits home as far as everything that we're going through. Uh, it really did before then. I, know I have a couple other friends that have lost people and, you know, that are suffering through this uh, virus right now. And so, you know, really hits home when something like that occurs. And so I know Bobby, he's hanging tough as possible, you know, just trying to go forward. And uh, he's going to be emotional as 
whenever football season does come, particularly the LSU side, as well as the Saints, because his dad was obviously a big fan of both programs. Excited to hear the, the pregame show on WWL, but we heard from head coach Sean Payton yesterday. Uh, he got a, a little bit of backlash on social media um, saying that they had their kind of war room at the Dixie Brewery. Anyone that has seen the Brook Dixie Brewery knows that there shouldn't be any backlash because it's a huge facility wide open spaces, uh, plenty of room to be six feet apart. Um, but what were y'all's takes after one, hearing the conference call and two, seeing the backlash on social media? Mine was funny with the backlash on social media because it basically told you that, hey, look, all I did was Google this facility. <laughs> I had no idea, you know, what really, and I don't even know if you Google the facility, if you truly knew and know where the Dixie Brewer is. If, if, if people are literally walking by there there's something bad, bad. Right. I mean, you can't really go by there to walk and see. And it's not like they're in the actual brewery part of it as well. They're in the meeting rooms. I mean, right. it's, it's a conference space. So it was kind of something funny to kind of break the, uh, our day up, how it normally goes. And so uh, in interesting to say the least. But I think a couple of key things when you take about take away from it, the majority of the people will be doing what we're doing. You know, they will be on some type of conference, basically looped into that, that, that piece. There will only be seven or eight people actually in the room. And we're talking about a room probably, you're not sure which one they'll definitely use, but you know that it, 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 it's big enough. It's wide enough where the space won't be an issue. JD, anything to add? Because you and I were both on that conference call. And I, for some reason, when I heard it, I knew it was going to immediately be a problem to those who didn't know the brewery i knew someone was going to draw a conclusion that wasn't accurate but having been there and you know the space that is at that brewery i i didn't no i, I didn't know it was going to blow up like that i mean and i and i did jump on social media and probably you know poked a little bit around at, at the at the columnist who wrote it and and i guess the thing was you know i i'm i'm reluctant really to to poke fun at columnists or to you know quote unquote, take them to task and everything, because I, I was a columnist for 20 years and I understand how difficult it can be. But that was such an easy uh, mistake to fix. So that was such an easy item to research. And for that uh, to not have been researched or not have been known, I thought that was just, it was, it was careless and it was sloppy and it was, it was a bad look. And so that was the part that really aggravated me the most because, you know, it was just such an easy fix. And as Duke said, you know, if, if all you do is bare bones, Google it, you know, you can't possibly uh, get a true meaning of what it is to, you know, what it looks like out there and, and that kind of thing. It was, it was an easy fix though. I mean, it, you know, call the PR department, or call the coach, or call, you know, another writer or something. But, you know, I just thought from that standpoint, it was a really, really bad look. Now, that said, I had a little fun with it on, on Twitter, but, you know, uh, it was a bad look. Uh, another thing Sean Payton talked about on that conference call was kind of the difference in um, their day-to-day because obviously you can't have players in for workouts. You have to do the virtual calls that we're doing right now. Do, from a player perspective, it, it's got to be strange just thinking about uh, your – from two perspectives if you're a rookie who's about to go into the league you're getting ready for pro day you're getting ready for uh so many different things combine you're getting ready to uh, to to 
to be in the league. But if you're a veteran who's been in the league and stuff, you still have to work out. So from a player perspective, how weird is this time for, for the guys who are preparing for the, for the season? A lot easier on a veteran. And the reason I say it is a veteran knows what he has to do to get ready for a season. You know, a, a veteran, particularly if you've been in a system, now if you're, you're a ascending player and you want to go from make a true leap from year one to year two, or even year two to year three, you want reps. And right now you're not able to get some of those reps. You know, you're not able to be around the guys like you really want to be. Uh, listen, the coaches, they can send workouts for you. They can send a playbook. You can go through some of that stuff, but it's not like you can get it from being around the other guys. If you're a rookie, you're just in a blind. And if you're a rookie, you're trying to go and do as much as you can from drill work to make sure that you're in shape. But I mean, uh, the, the one thing right now, we're in an unknown of there's no true date on when this deal will end as far as some of the restrictions that we have. So for a veteran, I see you having a lot of advantages, particularly if this deal continues to get pushed and, you know, your OTA time period is shrunk down, your uh, training camp time period is shrunk down just because, you know, the, they don't want to extend maybe the end of the season. Look, the NFL may say, hey, look, we're going to go instead of the 1st of February, we're going to go into March. That may be what they end up coming up saying and doing, but if they don't, everything will be compressed. And so for a veteran guy, he knows he has to come in, he has to be in shape. He knows the difference between, you know, whether he's reading coverages, whether he's seeing different looks, he can adapt a lot quicker. For a college guy, not only does he have to learn some of those things, but he also has to learn the speed of the game, you know, how to be a pro, how do I adjust to a new city? There's a lot that will go into play there. And yesterday it was also released that that PJ Williams for the Saints is going to be returning. Now, I saw a lot of backlash on that, but you guys are going to be able to, to provide more perspective than anyone on social media about why this is beneficial for the Saints to bring back PJ Williams. JD, I'll have you start first. Well, first, Saints fans are going to have backlash about anything. Some of them have backlash about Drew Brees resigning. So. <laughs> You, you got to take that with a grain of salt. But I, I think one of the things we've seen from P.J. Williams is, especially the last couple of years, he looks like he's better in the slot, looks like he's a more effective defender in there uh, in terms of coverage. And he's a dude who'll tackle. And two, you get some versatility because at the end of last year, we saw him play in some safety when they needed him in an emergency situation. And I thought he handled himself uh, extremely well there. Uh, I think football is like anything else. The more you can do, the more valuable you are. And he's in a position where, you know, he's shown that he can do several things. And plus, you think about it, he's on the secondary free agent market. Now you're on the secondary free agent market and your trips are limited because of, you know, the, um, the pandemic. You can't get around and visit other teams. So a lot of these guys are probably going to end up going back with their the original teams because, you know, those teams already know them. You can't take physicals. You can't do face-to-face -face visits. And I understand you can do virtual visits, but you can't get a guy in to get a physical and get your doctors to see exactly what's up with him. And so a lot of the guys will probably end up doing some of the same things that P.J. Williams just did. But I thought he, he's shown himself to be valuable in the same secondary. Uh, he's a guy who already knows the system. And I think you can plug him in in several different spots. J.D., and I, I will really just follow up on what you just commented on because it's 100% correct and true. Now, for P.J., he has to be upset with himself. He can't control the pandemic or the virus, but this is two years in a row. He ends up back in New Orleans, the first one, because of something that he did personally 
and his market got suppressed, and so he wasn't able to cash in uh, last year uh, on, on on free agency. And this year, he can't control the pandemic. I mean, that's just the virus. Maybe the market wasn't where he could go out and visit a lot, like JD said. And for the Saints, they were like, "Yeah, we'll take it." You know, I know exactly what I'm getting in this player. You know, uh, it, from a financial standpoint, I, you know, the details, I, I don't think they've been released yet. I know it was a one-year deal. And so for PJ, it's like, look, I know the system. I know I can come in. I can play. I can compete again for that nickel spot. I can be an outside corner if they truly need me. But I can also be a free safety if there's truly a jam and somebody gets hurt like last year in that situation. And then he plays on special teams. So for the Saints, they're able to field from a depth standpoint, plus almost a guy that you know that is going to fight for a nickel starting spot. So for the Saints, it was, yeah, we'll take it. We'll take him. We know exactly who he is. And, you know, maybe we don't have to go with an unknown uh, a player that we, like JD said, we, we don't, we know him somewhat, but we can't put our hands on him just because of everything that's going on. The Saints signed a lot of, re-signed a lot of key guys. It seemed like uh, this free agency, Owen Yamada, Andres Pete, PJ Williams, uh, but they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. And it seems like the last two years, um, there's been some want for a, a second wide receiver across from or next to Michael Thomas. You got a little bit of that in Jared Cook at the tight end position this past season, especially later on in the season. But um, is there any other positions that you'd like to see the Saints really address, whether it's free agency, draft, where else do you think the Saints need some help? Well, my personal opinion, I think they have to continue to look at the linebacker positions. You've got to be able to give Demario Davis some help at linebacker. I do think, you know, um, when you look at a, a, a guy like uh, coming off ACL and shoulder surgery, I can, uh, Alex Anzalone. Anzalone and um, uh, I think of the Mike linebacker, my having a brain freeze here, but Anzalone. It's not that you don't think that he can make it through a, a complete season, but you have to make sure that, hey, look, he is 100% healthy. You have to have some insurance. You did lose A.J. Klein. And so from that standpoint, I think addressing the linebacker position is one thing that they have to do. I also think uh, offensive line, you have to get a little younger in that standpoint. And maybe that's just a depth guy that can come in and he can continue to develop. I think that's one position that you have to be able to address. And then I wouldn't be surprised if – at some point in the draft, if they don't draft a young back, you know, a young running back to be able to add to that room, not to say that, you know, Latavius and Alvin can't get it done, but uh, they haven't signed Washington back yet, you know, as far as a number three guy. So maybe they add another young piece in that uh, running back room. JD. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much have to echo Deuce on that. I, I think they've got to do something at linebacker. He mentioned, uh, Demario Davis and, and Alex Anzalone. And Alex is a real nice player when he's healthy. But two of his three seasons, he hadn't been healthy. So you can't really write that one down in the book and say, okay, he's going to be here for 15, 16 games. I don't know what Caden Ellis can do. We saw a bit of him in the preseason last year, but he got hurt. So I think they're going to have, have to have some help there. You always need offensive linemen. You can always use, you know, more depth at defensive line, cornerback, they might have to go out and get another one. Uh, they brought in the kid from the XF XFL and hope that he might be able to fill a role there. But you can't have too many of those guys in the secondary. And if you're talking about, you know, a, a position, I, I think they might 
might look at is maybe tight end because, you know, Jared Cook had a productive back half of the season, but he's getting a little bit older. Uh, we know Josh Hill. We pretty much know what he can do. But, you know, who else is there? Uh, you know, yeah, you, can, you like Taysom Hill there, you know, in those roles that he plays. But now Taysom Hill becomes more and more valuable to this team, you know, as the number two quarterback. Now, I know they say he's still going to fill the roles that he filled. But still, I, I think you could, you know, I think it hurt him last year when Phoenix, well, excuse me, when Arizona mm-hmm. took Arnold, took Dan Arnold. And I think that hurt the team a little bit because I think they had some plans for Dan Arnold. And so I think they still might be looking for another tight end just so, you know, you don't have to put Taysom to that hazard, but you also can use some depth of that position. You mentioned Taysom Hill. What kind of qualities do you think the Saints have to look for in another quarterback right now? Because you know, last season would be completely different if, if Teddy Bridgewater wasn't the player he was and was able to step up in those games that Drew Brees was out. But it obviously increased his value in free agency. But what kind of characteristics do you think the Saints need to look for in another quarterback if they're planning to use Taysom Hill the way they have before? My honest opinion, I think that you go in both directions. I think that you do try to sign a veteran guy, uh, particularly one that has been in your system. I think that is the easiest approach. You know, a guy that maybe uh, not necessarily is going to cost you a lot, but he can come in, he can be a veteran, he can have his presence. But I also think that you do try to bring in a young guy. I think that you try to bring in a young guy that, hey, look, we really like this kid, you know, uh, depending on what happens, like I said, will we have a full OTA session and or will we have a full training camp? Can he get those reps that you really want to see him be able to throw and understand his offense? And if he can't, then it's probably going to be given more so to that veteran to be game ready, uh, you know, if something does happen. And, you know, like Sean has already said, they're going to have to have a third up as far as quarterback is concerned on, on, on Sunday. So you have to – you want somebody that – can come in, and if he has to come in and play, then he can play just because you probably lost two of your top quarterbacks, that being Taysom Hill and Drew Brees, you know, and that's something that we don't want to happen, but it's something they have to prepare for. J.D., anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly it again. I mean, I hate to sound like I'm, you know, just, you know, piggybacking off Deuce, but, I mean, he's exactly correct. I mean, I think you get, you know, you see if you can find a vet that's kind of a little bit more Drew-ish, because if an injury happens in the middle of the game, you want a guy who maybe can finish out the game. But the Saints are pretty much probably going to have the equivalent of the two offenses. You got a Drew, you got a Drew, um, a Drew Brees offense, and I think there's a Taysom Hill offense. And then, you know, when you're able to get Taysom Hill out there and give him some time and actually implement the things that he does as a strength for an entire game or series of games, the offense won't look quite the same as it does with Drew Brees. But, um, you know, I, I, you certainly can see a veteran coming in and hopefully being able to manage for a brief period of time until Taysom Hill can get out there the next game. And then, you know, it doesn't, help to, it doesn't hurt to have a developmental quarterback, a guy that you feel good about and maybe you don't take high, but a guy that you might feel like, you know what, in a couple of years' time, he might be a guy who can, who can go out there and give you some play. Last question before I let you guys go. How do you, on the defensive side of the ball, how do you replace the, the productivity of Von Bell? It seems like this past season, we were saying his name every game, coming up with a, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. Is it uh, requiring C.J. Garner-Johnson to step up more? Is it something uh, you hope someone just steps up and, and creates more havoc on the defense? How do you replace his productivity? 
think it's really two players, but really it, it's going to be a group effort when you when you look at it from a total standpoint. But you want a guy like Malcolm Jenkins to be able to step in from a leadership role. Look, you want him to be able to make plays for you as well, but really from a leadership role uh, of, of getting guys to understand, look, this is how we break down film. This is what we look for from a, um, a route pattern from a defensive standpoint. You know, when a guy is uh, two feet wide, his split is here on, on second and 10. These are the route combinations that this team likes to run. If, if, if his presence can just give you that, you think a guy like Marcus Williams, you think a guy like Chauncey Gardner, their level of play can increase. I mean, if you've got two healthy outside corners, uh, Lattimore and Jackrabbit, that, 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 that's really good in itself. But now you can add a veteran in of like Malcolm Jenkins, who has been there, he's done that. His presence in that film room and to be able to help guys understand, get lined up in the right place. Now I'm not guessing. I know exactly what this team likes to do. I can tell you based off of pre-snap reads, this is more than likely what they're going to do. They're going to hit 100% of the time. But just that little instance where they can, I think that will help that back end of the defense a lot in itself. God, I'm, I'm just on, I'm just on the Deuce fan club today, you know. Well, one, I love it when he talks football. Number one, but number two, you know, because I'm in agreement. I think Malcolm Jenkins mentally is where you make up the deficit because Malcolm Jenkins, I think one of the one of the best things he said during his interview was he knows how to put guys in position. It doesn't necessarily have to be him making the play. He'll position guys correctly to where they can make plays. And so you hope to see more playmaking out of other players besides Malcolm Jenkins. I think he's still got the, I think he's still got the physical attributes and obviously the mental attributes to still be able to get himself in position to make plays. But him being able to position other people to make plays, I think is going to be critical because he's a guy who he understands the game. He's seen everything you can see. And, you know, he's got enough wisdom and enough productivity to where guys should immediately trust him because he knows exactly what's going on. He can tell the guy, okay, we need you exactly right here for this reason. And the guy can make a play out of it. So I think that's where you're going to get some of it out, some of it uh, back from, from missing Vaughn. Well, I feel like my Saints IQ just went up a lot from the last uh, 20 or so minutes. I appreciate you guys joining me on today's show. Continue to be safe. JD, continue to not cook and uh, just nourish yourself in Shalanda, air quotes. And uh, Deuce, I hope you guys find something to cook uh, for the kiddos. No problem at all. Thank you guys for having me on. You know, all this, all this hate cuisine on me, I, I ain't going to take but so much of this, you know, as, as far as, you know, me clicking around in the kitchen because, you know, especially from somebody who eats ham sandwiches all day. So I'm just telling you. PB&J, hey, so baby. PB&J. <laughs> she's, she's an easy date, huh, J.D.? She's a yes. <laughs> all right, guys. I appreciate you. And I'll catch up with you next week. All right. All right. Thank you. All right, Saints fans, that was Saints legend Deuce McAllister. We talked a little bit earlier in the show about the Dixie Brewery. Well, Dixie has a special offer for you, 25% off all orders. It is valid only today, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So if you're listening to this, make sure you go head out there to the Dixie Brewery. Dixie's offering 25% off beer for Friday's curbside pickup or drive-up orders. So please go take that. We have more information. RollinSaints.com and the Saints social media so you don't want to miss that opportunity. 
All right, today's show was presented by SeatGeek. We'll have another show for you on Monday as John DeShazer sits down with Jeff Duncan to talk about the Rebirth game premiering on ESPN, uh, as we talked about earlier in the show today. I appreciate Deuce for his time today, as always, JD, uh, and he will tune in to you guys next week. I hope you have a good weekend. Stay safe, everybody.